If I told you had a story needing to be heard, would you tell it? Better yet, if you knew your story could help someone else, would you share it? Today, my guest is Thomas Baldrick. And he, I love this opening here. There's not a day that goes by without him relying on hope, my favorite word, and my way of living, and gratitude, my second word. He's a seven-time Emmy award-winning television host, reporter, producer, and writer who then devoted himself to a new life in Chandler, Arizona, my town, as a solo parent to his son, Julian. Thomas Baldrick now refers to himself as the chief cook and bottle washer. We'll have to ask him what that means at the Arizona Live. It's a new social media video company he launched right after the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Now we can all relate to this one right now, can we not? He's also got a couple of topics on his story, which is abuse as a young child and a car accident that he survived and the driver was a drunk driver. I think we can all relate to those in some way, shape, or form. But he's also involved in a nonprofit organization that is Barb's Dog Rescue in Rocky Point where he produces the social media videos for that organization. We'll let him touch upon those in just a moment. Hey, I'm Christine Hotchkiss, and I believe everyone has a story, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path that we live our lives. Some call it purpose. I believe every story can help, heal, inspire, educate, and of course, again, my one big word, give hope. Good morning, Thomas. Welcome. Good morning, Christine. It is an honor indeed. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me your time to share uh, not one story, but a couple of different stories and then some involvement that you have in the community because I believe we are all some way related to something that can help another person. And for now, we'll start with the beginning of your story of childhood abuse. Well, it's funny. Um, Right now, Many years later, I am reading a book uh, called The Ask, and it's about fundraising and how to do well at asking for funding. And I'm planning a documentary right now. I know how to do that with my uh, hands tied behind my back and my eyes closed, but I don't know how to get the funding for it. So I thought, I'll get this book. Well, Christine, this book is all about your childhood, and it's pushing all of my buttons. I bet. And your perceptions of money and how you view money, and essentially it's tied to your self-worth. So I am reading this book, and I'm, I've done this before, but I'm going through it again. To, to quickly summarize, um, when I was a little boy, I would spend my days sitting on a big black rubber sheet on my bed, being told, don't make a sound, don't move a muscle. And I would sit there at my mother's direction in my little tidy whiteies, <laughs> and I would have to pee and poop myself as I sat there. And I wasn't allowed to get up and play, and I wasn't allowed to do anything. And that is how I would spend uh, most of my days. And uh, later in the day, before my my father would come home from work or my sister would come home, 
I can still picture everything about our front door. And, and my mother would open the door and in various ways say, see, there's nobody here. Even the people from the orphanage don't want you. Oh, my God. So I would sit all day terrified that people from the orphanage were coming to take me away, but they would never come. And I never knew why. Because there were no people from the orphanage coming. It was just a sick and twisted routine that we did. Wow. And, uh, and what's ironic is uh, one day my, you know, when, when you're a little kid and your grandparents live on the same street as you, you hit the lottery. Right. When your grandparents uh, live on the same side of the street, you hit the mega lottery multiple times. You think? My sister and I were not allowed to go down to my grandparents. It was my father's parents. We were only allowed to go to the house before. But one day, my grandmother walked in and she said, what are you doing there, lover? And I was sitting in the dark. And, uh, and I told her. And the abuse stopped right after that. Our family moved about 45 minutes away. And soon I started first grade. And the first day of first grade, I was so scared and felt so inferior to every other kid that I wound up peeing my pants terribly. And I was so mortified and embarrassed that it would ruin my whole school life that I just sat there in it. Oh my goodness. And uh, so that gives you an idea of what, what, you know, abuse can do, emotional, physical abuse can do to a child. And it is a daily journey, if you ever get to it, to dealing with it and managing it. Uh, Some people turn to drugs, some people turn to alcohol, and some people just have bad relationships, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it is a unique experience to deal with. And, uh, and I'm okay with talking about it because I've met others and it's allowed them to finally face it and stop running from it. I absolutely agree with you. And I want to, I want to mention, you know, you're talking about some triggers right now. (laughs) Um, I grew up with abuse as a child and ours was physical. Um, I just had this conversation with a friend of mine this morning. We were, did, we did talk about childhood as well. And, and I said, uh, the one thing that I, I have in my mind that I don't carry with me, but that I became a better parent when I became a parent. Um, my mother told me um, that I was the oldest, and there was three of us, and I was seven years old. I was told, pointed the finger in my face, because I had to make sure that when my father came home to kick the dog and beat my mom up, and he would then go beat us up or wake us up in the middle of the night and hit us for no reason with a belt, you know. My mother said, you're the oldest. You need to set the example and take care of your sisters. Well, I took that to heart. I'm 50 years old, and I took that to heart to protect my sisters all along, and I have no relationship with my mother, and I don't know how. I'm listening to the relationship your mother was with you, and I'm like, how does that happen? But it also sounds like you've come through it, and I have not shared that story but it's a trigger that you just gave. And I thought, you know what? I'm just as real as anyone else and our lives are not edited, but we walk around on the outside thinking other people's lives are better 
than what we thought ours was. And you have just shared with the, with the intro I gave, you would not think that that was something that came from your childhood. No. Um, and and, and uh, I went to school and I was a class clown and mm-hmm. I got in trouble at school and I went through Catholic school. So I had, I had more than my share of physical beatings at home and at school. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it pretty sadistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it's instilled in me now that is helping so much, even today during 2020 and the bizarreness that is reality, mm-hmm. is... I'm used to looking at life and saying, okay, you can hurt me, but mm-hmm. you're not going to take me out. Exactly. If you knock me down, I'm going to get back up. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's, um, let's go on to this other part of your life. Well, first of all, you obviously, oh, let me ask this. Did you have to go through therapy to be able to understand that that was not something of your wrongdoing as you got older? I over? went through... Uh, no, I, at first, Christine, I did the relationship thing. Uh, I'd like to be very kind to people. Uh, I respect women uh, tremendously. And um, I, had, I had a number of great relationships with women, and they were all leaning toward marriage. And then eventually, I would find a way to sabotage it. Mm-hmm. And I would have women scr- scratching their heads and... And I didn't even realize what I was doing for years. And, and finally, it, it, it came to me in, in self-therapy and reflection and prayer and meditation that I was getting out of the relationship before it became permanent because I knew deep down inside I wasn't good enough. And she no, was going you to abandon you, me. Oh, or you thought, yeah, you thought you weren't good enough or they were going to abandon you. That's part of the childhood. Yeah. You get that completely. And the abandonment issue became crystal clear. That's the one I went through every day as a little boy. Mm. So uh, I did go to a, I, oh my God, I did a TV story with Barbara Brennan, who is a uh, world-renowned NASA physicist turned hands-on healer mm. and had an extraordinary experience visiting her school and lo and behold, a few months later, I'm enrolled in her school with no interest in being a, you know, a healer per se, like a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. But it was just part of my unique personal journey, and it helped me tremendously uh, as therapy. That is great. You know, we're not born with a manual that says, this is what you're going to go through. So um, turn to this page <laughs> and then, you, you know, it would kind of be nice, but that is not even an option. It's the, it's the journeys that we have to go through. Um, and as long as you are aware of the things that are going on in your life, whomever you are, whatever we go through, you know, it's wrong and you want to fix it, whatever it is, there are resources, there are ways. And when you do the self-help, which is what you're sounding like you were doing, which I've done a lot of self-help through my own other struggles, but um, I have become very peaceful with myself and I have accepted myself 100% that I don't, I don't get concerned if someone's going to abandon me. That's on them. I don't have a concern if someone likes or dislikes me. That's on them. All I know is that I've had my own. I'm going to do the best that I can and I'm going to enjoy every day that I'm given. And it sounds like you have done just the same. And then now you're a parent. So you, that's a whole nother thing that you have to, uh, to do with your son um, teaching him how to be this young individual that will be a man one day like you and will right. have the respect that you've already shared, not just for women, 
but for himself. Right. I think every child who becomes a parent, whether they realize it or not, they get to a fork in the road Mm -hmm. where they are going to repeat what they learned and experienced with their parents or they won't. Or they will select certain items from each pile and then they will do it. But one thing I can tell you is, is having endured abuse, I have never spanked my son. Okay. And, and we've talked about it. And I said, I said, when I was a kid, this happened to me, that happened to me. But I, but I say to him, how can I hit you and then tell you I love you? Mm. How can I do that? I can't. My job is to teach you. And mm-hmm. if I have to discipline you, I will. Mm-hmm. But I'm never going to hit you and hurt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that one, especially where you just mentioned where you came from. You made a, a comment about something that I, I feel very strongly about as well. And you said, you know, as a child, there are certain things we pick from whatever of our childhood. And we just continue on that path. And mine is whatever is going on in our lives, how, however old we are, it, we do and see and only know what we know until something else or someone else has shown us differently. And that could go in any direction. But when it comes to the the pain that you have shared, someone else showing you what love is, someone else showing you what respect is, someone else showing respect for yourself, self-love. Someone had to show you that because you didn't know what that was with the abuse that you had already uh, spoke about as a small child. So... Thank you for sharing that part of it. Let's go on to the car accident. This one gets me too. You were in a car accident that you got into a vehicle with someone who was already impaired. Yeah, it was uh, it was from the uh, the young and dumb phase. <laughs> we're all guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was at a, a good friend of mine's party and I left her house and there were three of us. Um, and I'll leave their names out for discretion purposes, but there were three of us. Two of us had just met girls there. And the driver was driving, hopped in the car, didn't even say anything to him. Like, hey, man, how are you? And, and my other friend and I were both talking about, you know, the great girls that we met and we were going to take out on dates. And lo and behold, very quickly, um, the, the driver lost control of the car and instead of hitting the brake, hit the gas pedal. Oh no. And we went, uh, head on into a telephone pole <sighs> and it created a horseshoe and the three of us were sitting up front, no seatbelts. Mm. And, uh, Literally, Christine, I could I could reach ahead and touch the telephone pole sitting in the front seat. Oh my goodness! So the uh, the car started to catch fire, <gasps> and and uh, so I climbed out the uh, the back seat. Got the front door was too smashed to to open, uh-huh. and I pulled each of these guys into the street as the car caught fire and collapsed and I was laying in the street. And this was a Saturday night around midnight in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, my hometown. Mm -hmm. And I was laying in the street with the other two unconscious waving 
for someone to stop and help us. And I can still see the faces of people gawking and driving by and none of them stopped. Wow. And uh, so a car pulls up in a, uh, a, a light green four-door sedan and it turns out it is an unmarked police officer, uh, a detective, who what he did in that day, you would never do today. He said there was not enough time for an ambulance. He had to get me to the hospital. So he piled the three of us into, the, into his car and raced us to the nearest hospital. So I, I'm, I'm in the emergency room and there's a team of doctors and nurses frantically working on me. And I'm, I'm uh, throwing up blood by the bucket. Mm. And um, they're saying, you know, we have a problem. We can't reach your parents. And I said, that's okay. I, I, I'll just go home. I want to go home. And they said, no, you can't go home. And I was arguing. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to go to sleep. Just let me go to sleep. Oh, you can't. And there was a nurse holding my, my right hand. And she screamed at me, Christine. And she started crying. And she said, don't you go to sleep on us. Don't you dare go to sleep on us. Don't you quit on us. Mm. And I've got chills all over, you know, the goosebumps all over my body right now, as I tell you, and every hair on my arm is standing up. Mm. And uh, I thought in that moment I was in deep trouble. Like a scene in a movie, enter my cousin into the emergency room. Literally right on cue, he walks in. And I said, hey, Father Jim, what are you doing here? Oh. And he was a priest, uh, the pastor at the nearby Catholic church. And he comes up to me, and he always called me buddy. Uh And he said, hey, buddy, I was called to administer the last rites to someone. (sighs) And I said to him, well, when you're done with that, can you come back and stay with me? Because I'm getting kind of scared. And he said, it was you, buddy, I was called for. I've got tears in my eyes right now. And so he takes out and, and, uh, they were telling him to hurry to give me the last rites. How old are you at this point? Uh, a senior in high school. Oh my goodness. So 17. Yeah. And they're, they're telling me, they're telling him to hurry. So he takes out his prayer book and he's sitting on my, um, my left and he's holding my left hand and that nurse is holding my right hand and that's it. Boom. I was gone. And I'm speeding through this tunnel with a multicolors and a blinding white light at the end of it. And I'm going through feet first and I've got my head lifted up and I've got my hands over my face going through the tunnel because the white light was so bright. It was blinding me. And just as I got to the end of it, if you can experience or remember what it's like in a log flume, just when you're about to 
take that log from right at the amusement park right into the water. Uh -huh. That's what I thought was happening. And I'm going right into the white light. And instead, I didn't go to the white light. I'm now floating over the emergency room. And I can see what's going on below me. And I can see my cousin giving me the last rites. I see the doctors and nurses, you know, frantically working on me. And uh, it was the term that I use is disconcerting. And it's funny because I didn't even really use the word before in my life to that point, but it was disconcerting because I was arguing with myself. Hey, that's me down there. No, this is me <laughs> up here. No, that's me down there. No, I where you're supposed to be. I, I had no <laughs> idea what was happening. And what I do remember is there was someone, a male figure, and I think I know who it was, uh -huh. um, who was standing on my right, and he was telling me I had to go back. Wow. And I begged and I pleaded not to go back. Really? And so to get back, I didn't go back through the tunnel. My next uh, memory is being back in my body, looking up. And there was an anesthesiologist on my right. And I look up at him and he's putting a mask on me. And he says, son, you're going to have to fight like you've never fought before. And I broke out crying. And he thought I was crying because I was scared. Uh -huh. Christine, I was crying because I was back in my body. You're making me cry right now. <laughs> so I, I, I'm willing to tell that story for a couple of reasons. One, for people to live their lives. Absolutely. And two, in the event of someone like you and others who have lost someone, uh -huh. know that they are in a better place. Know that they are in a beautiful place. I kind of like living. Um, I think it's a beautiful place here, and so I enjoy every minute and every day that I'm given. And when that day comes that I'm no longer here, I am certain that I will be just as content too. So I, I thank you for sharing that. We've got a couple of minutes here. I guess I have to ask you, um, from the accident, Obviously, um, you've lived through it. You have a different view, and that begins where you said there's not a day that you don't rely on your hope and your gratitude. Um, do you, are you, I don't want to say normal, because normal is so overrated as far as the definition anymore. Um, did you lose any um, mobility of sight, sound, moving, limbs, anything like, um, I don't know, impairments that allow you to enjoy your life? I'm sorry you were breaking up a little bit. Could you try that again? Is there, is, from your accident, was there any, um, anything that doesn't allow you to be able to function on a regular basis, to walk or to move um, physically? No. Um, no, I'm in, I'm in great health. Exercise is my, uh, my one addiction. Um, I'm... I'm uh, I try to stay very healthy in my body, especially, you know, for my son. Um, ironically, I was in another car accident uh, four years ago. Oh and uh, a woman with a, a small child was talking on the phone and ran a red light and creamed me. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that I've had serious neck surgery 
and it still doesn't help. So I, I, I endure with chronic neck pain every day, uh, which has greatly impacted my quality of life. And it also left me with tinnitus, the loud high pitch sound in my head that's there 24 seven. Oh goodness. And then yeah, but, uh, you know, you just, you just go on, you do what I said. You just, you just get back up and you keep on going. You do, you do. We only have a couple of minutes left here. I wanted to touch real quickly, if you wouldn't mind. Um, what part of Barb's Dog Rescue and Rocky Point are you a part of? I don't, I've never heard of that. Well, it's, uh, it's Puerto Penasco, Sonora, Mexico. They call it Arizona's Beach. And uh, my son and I have a, uh, a beautiful beachfront condo that we manage down there. Um, Sonoran Sun 510 East. We did it in the theme of... Uh, all my beach memories from growing up at the uh, infamous Jersey shore. Mm -hmm. And so I went down there and I connected with her and she's a wonderful woman, Barbara Muma. on any given day. She's got 300, 350 dogs that she rescued and Mexico has a huge stray dog problem. Yeah. And uh, Barb's story as a parent is what connected us. She was a devoted parent like I am. Mm -hmm. Her daughter, who was her life like my son is mine, mm -hmm. was 21, celebrating her birthday, was crossing the street, got hit by a car and killed. <sighs> and Barb was distraught. Barb was lost. And months later, friends dragged her from Arizona down to Mexico to just get her out of the house. And so she saw these stray dogs. And in that moment, she knew what she was meant to do. Mm. So she opened a dog rescue and she is, I, I, the term I give her is dog's best friend. Everybody uses man's <laughs> best friend. I love that. But I call her dog's best friend. And the beauty of it is not only does she save dogs, but she has created an incredible legacy for her daughter her daughter was an animal rescuer in just her personal life, always bringing home various injured animals. And so what Barb is doing is keeping her daughter's memory alive in a bigger and better way than her daughter probably could have ever imagined. It no. is a thing of beauty and love. What is her daughter's name? She didn't tell me. Oh, well. If, if you could keep that part out. That, that might embarrass her, Christine. That's okay. Um, okay. Uh, thank you for sharing the, the rescue. I, I, you know, we all have a purpose if you want to believe in that. And with Barb's story, it touches me personally because um, you and I don't know one another. But if you were to know my story, um, I lost my 17-year-old daughter on New Year's Day 2007 where my family and I were in a rollover accident. And my family and my life fell apart too at that time. And I found my passion and my purpose. One is the stories of hope that we are on right now, sharing people's stories to give them just that hope and inspiration. But I also have a nonprofit organization called Remember Me Always, where I help people. So I love hearing these types of stories. And it is a difficult journey as a parent having lost a child. And no disrespect to anyone who's, who's never been a parent and they have pets. Those are their kids. So when they lose them, that's just as important. But losing a loved one is, is difficult. So thank you for sharing that with me. I have a couple of minutes here and um, I, I have this last question I always love to ask people. And that is, 
What message would you like to leave our listeners based on your journey or about life in general? Christine, based on your podcast being called Stories of Hope, I think the perfect place to start is there. And my message would be, I'm living proof you can always have hope. Mm -hmm. It is a choice. Mm -hmm. When good things are happening, you can hope that there's more of them. When unpleasant things are happening, you can hope they go away and that you can overcome them and replace them with more positive experiences. Hope is a choice and it is always there for you. It's, it's one of my best, most priceless assets. I've also learned in more recent years about the power of gratitude and I do not have what I want in my life for myself or for my son. But every day I am grateful for what I do have. Absolutely. And gratitude gets you through dark and scary and down times. And gratitude takes your highs and your great moments to even greater heights. So I truly do not go through a day without experiencing and relishing hope and gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. I believe wholeheartedly. I have a, I have a jar at my front door that there's not a day that goes by. I don't put one or two notes in that say what I'm grateful for. So thank you for sharing that message. Real quickly. Um, I would also, I'm sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, <laughs> where can you be reached if someone would like to reach out to you? You had mentioned that you were a part of, um, I guess, a, what was this? Uh, uh, Arizona Live. That's it. Yeah, I would. I would uh, probably the easiest place to find me and Arizona Live is Facebook, and uh, I would ask people. I will just come out and ask people if you like anything about this story, give it a follow, give it a chance. Um, right now, I am primarily doing stories that just try to make a difference in the community because I can't be out and about selling. And uh, I, started the, I started the company right as COVID-19 hit mm -hmm. because I had, a, uh, I had an agency that was really pushing me, hey, you're just what our clients need. All of our clients need video. Will you, will you put something together for us? And so I did. And then when COVID-19 hit, mm -hmm. that agency went running for the hills with their clients because they were losing them and didn't want to refer people to me. So here I am stuck. Life just knocked me down flat on my face mm -hmm. and I had to get back up. And so I thought I could cry, I could be angry, or I could start to build proof of performance. And so in just a couple of months doing this part-time, we're approaching 100,000 views. Wonderful. So now, I do have, now I do have something that I can sell uh, and help keep a roof over my son's head. Good for you. There's some, there's some rebuilding in our lives and some changes, of course, that we're not happy with, but there's also opportunities, and you have shared that you have found an opportunity. So good for you. We, uh, we have run out of time, so I just wanted to mention to you, I would love for people to be able to find you. Where can they find you? Uh, the website is ArizonaLive.net. Uh, Facebook, it is ArizonaLive. And on YouTube, you can find it easiest 
Arizona Live without putting a space between Arizona and Live. For some reason, the algorithm says, yeah, do this. Ah, those algorithms. I'm still trying to figure them out. <laughs> yep. Thank you again, Thomas, for being my guest. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for your time. And thank you for giving your time to so many other people to make a difference. It's an honor for me to have been a part of this. I get changed by every person I talk to, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but it, it allows me to remember why I'm grounded the way that I am. So again, I do, I say I'm honored because you're a total stranger, and each person that shares a story and hears it are also a total stranger. So all we can do is help one person one day at a time, right? You got it. All right. Thank you again for being my guest, to share, for sharing your stories, to help, to heal, to inspire, and of course, to give hope. To my listeners, I thank you for listening and please subscribe so you are notified for the next great story that comes about because these truly are great stories. You don't have to have a name attached to a story to make a difference in someone's life. These are just getting better and better because they are unedited and they are real. If you'd like to share your story, know someone who wants to share their story, be a sponsor or share a story and don't have your name attached, please email me to the address of Christine with a CH at storiesofhope.com and that is stories with a Y. And until next time, everyone, I wish you all well and you take care.